Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. I'm Hayden, your host here. And at Compass Bible Church, you know it, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. I want to give you guys a little challenge at Compass, uh, a little fun uh, if you'll go around asking, particularly people in your life group, people you know well, go up and ask them, hey, do you know the mission statement of our church and why our church exists? I was having a little fun with this over the last week, um, and it was both encouraging and a little bit humorous when I heard uh, many people in our church trying to say our mission statement, and they were doing a, a pretty good job. I mean, they were missing some things here and there, uh, but I thought it was a great exercise uh, of making sure that we as a church body recognize what we're doing here. Uh, we're not just here... Uh, hanging out and twiddling our thumbs together, uh, not just making holy huddles, which we think community is wonderful, but that's not the end of the reason that we are gathered as a, as, a, as a church body, but we're here to reach people for Christ. We're here to teach people to be like Christ, and everything Scripture teaches, we want to teach other people because we know that's going to conform them into the image of Christ. And then we don't want to stop with us. We want to train people to continue reaching people and teaching people for Christ. And so I'd encourage you have a little fun, go around and ask people, hey, do you know the mission statement of our church? And encourage one another to remember why you're a part of this local body, because we're all committed to this mission uh, here in the Hill Country of reaching, teaching, and training. Nevertheless, we are here uh, in our sermon, The Countercultural Kingdom. In this sermon, it was entitled Kingdom Care from Matthew 7, 7 through 12, and I'll read it for you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. As we studied this text this last Sunday, we distilled it into a preaching point that was this. Genuine salvation empowers believers to imitate the unwavering generosity of God through their own commitment to gospel-powered generosity. And we uh, expressed this point in this text in Matthew 7, 7-12 through 12, in three points. Point number one, we need to recall God's open-handedness, which we can do that as we look at verses 7 and 8, that uh, God promises, Christ explicitly says this, if you ask and you seek and you knock, you have a Father who is going to answer you. He's there. And we even see that again, and I could have included it in point number one, uh, in verse 11, it says, if evil parents, that's what we are, I mean, apart from Christ, we are not good. Uh, and even our good in Christ has to do with us being in Christ and him producing the good in us. But nevertheless, in, in verse 11, if we are who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I love the general uh, nature of what Jesus is saying. He's not just talking about, uh, like even as we read earlier in, uh, in the text, uh, about being anxious in, in the Sermon on the Mount, where it talks about specific things that God is going to give, 
which is your basic needs. And here it's, it's way more general than that. And of course, we can, we can apply it to many of the things that we've already read in the Sermon on the Mount, including the Beatitudes. We should be praying for those. We should be praying how to deal with the kingdom ethics as we continued moving through the Sermon on the Mount and obviously our basic needs. But here, there's this general reality that as we ask God for good things, he's going to give them to his children. Not limitless yeses, but limitless care. Uh, and that is expressed in, in so many different ways as we're walking after the Lord and asking and seeking and knocking. And so that reality for us to say that God uh, cares and God loves us so much, he's open-handed. And there's this liberal way in which God is going to give us so much because we ask him as his children. And, and we know that even as we talked about in the sermon, we know God's going to do that because he did not spare his own Son, and even read that in Romans, in that text, Romans 8, 32, that God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so we recognize that we both have a existential promise of salvation, that God is not going to separate us from himself. We have an eschatological promise of that we are going to receive the kingdom, for the kingdom belongs to the heirs of Christ. And then in, in between that, that our salvation and that the Christ coming to gather his children at, his, at, at, the, uh, at the rapture, we have this reality that as we ask, seek, and knock, God's going to provide for his children in the way that he sees fit, which is often going to look different than us, but it still cannot keep us from recognizing the truth that we have a very open-handed God. Point number two, that we need to increase our love for others I mean, this is the, the problem of us being tight-fisted. And no one's going to be tight-fisted to those whom they love greatly. And we see this even in the most uh, quoted passage in the Bible, John 3.16. We recognize that love precedes generosity. I mean, think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Think about that. God loved, so he gave. I mean, the reality that love precedes generosity should do something in the life of the Christian to say, my job is to imitate the Father. And if I'm going to imitate the Father's open-handedness, his generosity, then there has to be something that precedes the generosity. There has to be something that precedes the giving, and that is the love. That I do not give much because I love little. If I want to be more generous, I must love much, and I must increase my love. This is why Paul always, as you're looking through the, the uh, Paul's epistles in the New Testament, faith and love. You're always seeing faith expressed in love, and Paul's always connecting these because there's a reality that I'm not going to be living out my faith if I'm not increasing in my love. And so often, the little faith that we have is connected to the little love that we have. And so if we want to grow in our love for the Lord, we're going to grow in our love for others. We're going to grow in our faith and our trusting in the outworking of God's plan and us walking out uh, and trusting. And that's a, that I, even that idea of like, I'm saved through what? Through faith. And what is faith? Is It's a trusting in Christ, saving me from my sins and my separation from God. Even that idea of like, I'm having, I'm having faith in that. That means each day I'm trusting that I am saved from my sins through 
Christ. We like to think, I, I think, at least as I'm trying to think about it in my mind, the way that other people may think about it, uh, I'm afraid that we think of faith as a static thing. Like, it's like a brick, right? It doesn't change. It just sits there. That's, that's what faith is. But faith is much more dynamic for the Christian to recognize faith isn't one thing that I did a long time ago. Faith is the life that I live because of who Christ is and what he has done. And because of that, there is this reality in which my faith is dynamic and it's, uh, it's characterized and defined by love, that I'm going to grow in my love. If my faith is dynamic, then my love is going to be dynamic. And since love is dynamic, there's this open-handedness reality that me, that I, through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ, through the, through the goodness of the, the kindness of God, I'm going to be a generous person. I need to increase in my love. Paul says that even as I had uh, quoted uh, in First uh, Thessalonians, that may, may the Lord, in, in 3.12, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. I love that. that the prayer is that you would love. Uh, Romans 13.8 Owe no one anything except to, to love. I mean, First uh, Corinthians thirteen. You remember that verse? It's the, the quintessential love chapter that we talk about when we think about marriage and, and being engaged. We always go to First Corinthians thirteen, but its context is in within the local church. Right? If we can do all these things, we can have all these crazy gifts, and we can have all these all these abilities and all of these strengths in the church. But if we do not love, we're nothing. We're just noisy gongs. We're, we're not providing the outcome of our faith the way that God sees it. And we need to recognize that. That love is what defines the Christian faith. And we see that in, in, in verse or chapter or point number three. Extend God's generosity outward. Since Love precedes generosity. We can use generosity as a litmus test of the love of the saints, of the love of God's church. We're going to say, we're not going to be able to say, well, since you're not as generous as I think you should be, that means that you don't know God. But what it is instead is this reality of saying, I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to look at our church and say, the, the generosity that we have says a lot about the love that we have and when I see a church that is growing in generosity, I see a church that's growing in love and growing in their imitation of God. And so it's important for us as a church to be growing in generosity because it's indicative of a growing faith and a fruitful, fruitful church. So much more to say there. But as you jump in your questions, I challenge our life group leaders in, in their podcast as they're going through the application questions with you to take it from the general to the particulars. And I want to challenge you uh, if you're listening to this podcast, and even if you're not and you're part of our church, maybe you, if you're listening to this, you can tell other people in our life group. We want to move from the generals to the particulars. One thing that we can often say as we're reading these questions is they seem so simple or um, the question, the answer is in the question. Uh, sometimes that may be true. I'm not going to tell you that I'm the best question writer. I'm, I'm probably one of the worst question writers uh, that I can think of off the top of my head, but but what these questions do is they mean they they're meant to keep us focused on the sermon's text and theme, and then from there it's meant to draw out specific and particular applications 
from the text and not general applications. The thing that's easy to do with these application questions is to keep things general. When you, when you look at one of these questions, which I'll go look at, when you look at one of these questions here, you can, you can definitely answer these generally. Why must genuine love, in question number three, precede faithful generosity? After we've read those two texts in First Thessalonians, why must genuine love precede faithful generosity? Well, because I'm not going to be generous if I'm not, uh, if, if I'm not loving. Okay, well, let's talk about that then. So why can I not be, why, why can I not be generous? Why does my life lack generosity? Well, my life lacks love. And we see that in, verse, in, in question number 3a. In what ways can your generosity or lack thereof reveal your love toward God and others? And you can say something like, well, it means I don't love God as much as I thought I did. Okay, well, let's flesh that out. What is the reality of the status of the love in your life and its relationship to your generosity? How can we then go from this small faith and small generosity to saying, I need to be praying. I'm praying that God would grow my love, that he would also grow my generosity. Because I'm not just going to somehow become more generous just because I reach into my pocket and pull out more money and give more money. There's, a, there's a, something deeper to this, and it's the love that I display that's in my life. And we've got to start from there. So I want to encourage you, don't just stay uh, general. Get into the particulars of the life. Uh, question 4a is another good example. What are some practical ways you can extend generosity in the name of Christ this week? Uh, we're tempted to say things, and I lead two life groups, so I know this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a practitioner uh, of the same things that you guys are partaking in in your life groups. You know, we ask questions. Well, how, what are some practical ways we can extend generosity in the name of Christ this week? Well, I can help someone out when they need. Okay, instead, what is a specific thing that you are going to do? this week. Like, let's think about, here's some things that are usually going on in my week that I can make sure that I am extending generosity towards these people this week. And to make sure you can, you can even put a name to uh, the event. Hey, I'm going to help so-and-so. I mean, to recognize we've got to get practical because if we stay general, our conversations are going to be general. And then things may be generally helpful, but usually generalities are very foggy and vague, and it leaves our faith in a very vague space. But we want to be particular. We want to be people of specificity, because specificity is what moves us forward in our faith, because we're not just thinking about general things. I need to grow in my love. Well, what makes you think you need to grow in your love? Well, uh, because uh, I'm not generous. I don't think about others all that much. I spend less time with God than I ought to. Well, you see, you were, if you say those things, you're very particular about the things that you can pinpoint that show that you are not a very generous person. So on the flip side, then we take those three things and we're very specific about how we're going to then attack those things with the power of the Holy Spirit to bring them into alignment with God's will. So therefore, I can pray that God would grow these areas as I walk in them uh, and then that God would cause me to be more generous because I am taking serious my stewardship to take hold of the faith that I have been given in Christ through the power of the Spirit. And I'm going to then say, you know, I'm spending more time with God. I'm praying that God would grow my love. Uh, I'm thinking about others more than I'm thinking about myself. And when I'm thinking about myself, I take all my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, which Scripture tells me to do. And now, as I have opportunity 
uh, and I see a need, I meet a need. We see those spe- the specificity there is what's going to drive obedience to Christ, uh, and it is going to do even what the Bible teaches in Hebrews thirteen sixteen. As we're doing good and sharing what we have, these sacrifices are pleasing to God. So God is pleased when his children are specific and moving forward in their faith, not with generalities, but, but in the particulars. All right, church, so grateful uh, for you guys. I, just, I am so thankful, even as I think about the health of our church, the direction it's going, and we know all of that's because of the goodness of God in, uh, alone. Uh, but we're so thankful for you as you are submitting yourself underneath the, the lordship of Christ and even have taken your life and placed it underneath a local church for the shepherding of your soul and your life. And I just pray that we would take that serious every day uh, and that we would look uh, at the uh, time that we're going to spend in our life groups as a catalyst for living life together. It isn't the end of our community, but it's where community begins. And it's a place that we're going to grow abundantly. So I pray that we take that time seriously uh, as we embark on it and embrace the time that we're going to spend in our groups this week. Well, with uh, that, I want to talk to you about a couple of announcements we have coming up. We still have a few spots open for our baptism service on October the 15th. Uh, we want you uh, to, to know that, hey, baptism is an important symbol of the Christian faith that Christ calls us to the moment of salvation, that we are saved and then we go get baptized by immersion. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and you've never been baptized and you are saved, that you've trusted in Christ uh, for your righteousness, that he's imputed his righteousness upon you based upon faith expressed through your confession of your need for Christ, that you would step forward uh, for baptism coming up in October. I want to encourage you to do that. If you need a little bit of push, I want to be that little push to get you over the edge to say it's time for you to get baptized. We have a men's breakfast coming up on October the 15th, just a couple of weeks, as always, that second Saturday of the month from 9 to 11. We have our kids' Christmas choir that has kicked off this last Sunday. Uh, it's pretty full. I can't imagine that registration is going to be open much longer if even it is now, but if it is, maybe you can sneak a registration in there and get your kiddos signed up. But it was really cool to watch all those kiddos in their first rehearsal this last Sunday. But if you do have a kid K through fifth, perhaps there's some time to register uh, if they haven't yet closed that uh, registration link down. Uh, Looking forward to December 17th when we're going to invite so many people for family and friends together to come hear these kids sing about our Savior and as we preach the gospel loud and clear. We also have a final Exploring Compass of 2023. It's our last uh, Exploring Compass, our last members class uh, to make more of our attenders and people who saved and people who are looking forward to getting plugged into a church uh, to get them into membership in our church this year. And so if you know anybody uh, who needs to get through Exploring Compass, tell them that registration is still open. we got a nice pool of registrants already gathering up for that. People who want to know more about our church, people who want to join us uh, to uh, take the gospel throughout the Hill Country. And the dates for that are November 12th and the 19th. And so we want to encourage you to make sure that if you need to go through Exploring Compass or you know somebody who does, that you would get them to sign up uh, today. Uh, If you guys saw uh, from the announcements and out in the lobby this last week, we had One Hope for Kids uh, with us this last weekend. We were so grateful to partner with uh, organizations in our community that are doing things uh, that God would see as honorable. And we recognize that foster care is one of those areas that uh, we know that God is working in our community, whether that's through adoption or temporary foster care. 
And uh, we just like to highlight a couple of organizations throughout the year that we would love you get to you to get to know more about. And if you're interested in foster care, that they'd be a great organization for you to partner together with. And so uh, their slogan is until every child has a home. And so we recognize that because of the world we live in, there's always a need uh, for children to have godly homes to live in. And there's going to be a need for that. And so we want to recognize organizations that are meeting that need in our community. If you want to know more about that, you can go to onehopeforkids.org. All right, uh, church, you, your life groups, grateful for all of you. Thankful for what God's doing in our church. I look forward to seeing you next week.